true in your life and mine. It's not just a fancy theme that we're trying to get you involved in. It's something we hope that lives out in our lives and in our ministry in the up and coming year. Genesis chapter 3, as soon as you find your place, please join us by standing. Genesis chapter number 3. We understand in Genesis chapter number 3, the fall of man in verses number 1 through verse number 10. Uh, we looked at that just a little bit last week, but and we're going to revisit this because Sunday morning messages we're talking about, we're going to study the life of Christ. Some of you might be saying, who know the Bible, preacher, if we're studying the life of Christ, why we're in the Old Testament? I want to show you in the next several weeks how Christ appears in the Old Testament. Right. We looked at last week this verse, but I want to expound upon it this week if we can, Christ in the Old Testament. I want to talk to you about Christ, the promised lamb. Christ the promised lamb. So after the fall in verse number 1 through verse number 10, we'll pick this up in verse number 11. I'll read verse number 11. Please join me in every other verse. We're going to read a few more than we normally would every other verse until we close together at verse uh, number 20. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman which thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. That's not why God gave us a wife, fellas, so we can blame her for what goes wrong. But that's what Adam did. Uh, anyway, and the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, and from dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Jesus, the promised lamb. Father, help us this morning. I thank you for visitors and guests. I thank you that these folks, everybody uh, that is here this morning, has made a, uh, a plan and a purpose, has purpose to come to church. And I pray, Father, you'd speak to us from your word. I pray that we'd be led by your spirit. And Father, I pray as we study in the Old Testament uh, where the Lord Jesus Christ makes an appearance, may we be warmed in our soul. And Father, I pray this, that you would take our church this year and help us to lift you up in our music, in our worship, in our individual lives, in whatever we do throughout this year with the name Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, when we go out in the community, would you help us to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ? That is my plan. That is our plan. And that is our purpose. And Father, help us to fulfill that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
without purpose or plan when trying his servant and molding a man give thanks to the Lord though your testing seems long in darkness he giveth us Rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistakes, he knoweth the end of each path. shadows ahead so I looked at the cross of my Savior instead I bowed to the will of the Master that day then peace came and tears fled Rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistakes, he knoweth the end of each path that I take, for when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as now I can see testing comes from above God strengthens his children and purchase in love my father knows best and I trust in his care more fruit I will bear. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. He knoweth the end of each path. young man newly married was having some problems with his vision and he went to the doctor and the doctor said I'm sorry but your eye is full of cancer and we have to remove it 
you will be blind in that eye, and there's nothing that we can do. We cannot transplant an eye. That young man, newly married, and just started a ministry, and he was excited about what God was going to do with him in that ministry. Is a young man that got cancer in his eye. He came home, they put a patch o- over his eye, and he came home, and he was discouraged and defeated. He wanted to give up, and he was questioning God, why would you do that? Newly married, a new ministry, and you allow me to get cancer in one of my eyes. He is the one, Ron Hamilton, who pinned the words to the song that Brother Fine was just singing. Some of you are going through or have been through a trial. Listen to what Brother Hamilton God never moves without purpose or plan when trying a servant or molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seem long. In darkness he giveth a song. Brother Hamilton would tell you if you read his own biography how that many dark days and even weeks and possibly months when he didn't understand God's purpose. But we just announced to you that we have a wonderful children's ministry on Wednesday night downstairs called Patch the Pirate. When Brother Hamilton finally went back to church and he was wearing that patch, one of the little kids came up to him and said, Brother Hamilton, what's wrong with you? Why are you wearing that patch? You look like a pirate. And God told Brother Hamilton, you're now Patch the Pirate. And I want you to start a ministry for little boys and little girls. And I'll say this to you. There probably today would not, would God still have used Ron Hamilton? Absolutely. One of the greatest vocal singers and musicians in America today, Ron Hamilton. But there would not be a children's ministry, Patch the Pirate. The last verse Brother Stephen sung was this. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. Is that true? He knoweth the end of each path I take. For when I'm tried, that's the course and purified. I come forth as gold. Now, finally, once Brother Hamilton could see what God was doing, he said this, now I can see that testing comes from above. Let me say this something to you. God never wastes trials. He never wastes a hardship. They're meant to shape us. God strengthens his children. He purges in love. My father knows best, and I trust in his care. Though Through purging, more fruit I will bear. So you're going through your problems. I'm going through mine. But in the child of God, and let that song sink into your heart, we can rejoice in the Lord because he makes no mistakes. Take your Bible now, Genesis chapter number 3. I know that we mentioned this last week in the morning preaching, but I want to revisit and expound upon it. This is a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Now go with me in your mind to the book of John. John the Baptist, a precursor, to the Lord Jesus Christ, said of Jesus, Behold the what of God? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Let me say this in as kind a way as I can tell you. No man can forgive you of your sin. If somebody tells you, you come to me, you pay some money, you say a prayer, and I will absolve you of your sin, he is lying to you. The waters of baptism cannot wash away your sin. But there was the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself, who came. And when he died on Calvary's cross, having no sin of his own, and he said, it is finished, that Lamb, if we'll look to him, if we'll apply his blood to our life, he can forgive us. Look back at verse number 15. So now this curse comes upon 
the serpent. And I will put enmity, we'll look at that word just a moment, between thee and the woman. And that doesn't mean just Eve. That means every woman after Eve. All right? And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head. That's a mortal wound, a fatal wound. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Father, help us in the preaching today. May we uplift Christ. Lord, I pray that every one of us here today will be just a little bit more in love with Jesus after this morning than we were when we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Go back with me, if you would, in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter number 2. The context of this verse in chapter 3, verse 15. God had made a perfect environment for man to live in, didn't he? No thorns on the rose. No weeds growing in the ground. Adam didn't have to work. It maintained itself. There was a firmament across the entire world as we know it. And in the morning, just a mist came up and came up from the ground. And the plants received just the proper amount of, of water. The sun, because of that firmament, did not blister or it didn't scorch. It was the perfect environment. And man was intended to live in a sinless state for all of eternity. But God did something. They lived, mankind did, and enjoyed unbroken and unhindered fellowship. And even with God himself, how would you like to do this? How would you like God to make an appearance and talk to you every day? Because that's what Adam had. God would come and he would walk, a man with his friend. And in the cool of the day, God and man walked together. And can I say this to you this morning, not in the way that Adam have it, but I can promise you this this morning. Well, look at this. God still wants to walk with you. And God wants to talk to you. And he can and he should and he will if you allow him. What does the Bible say in the book of James? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. God is only as interested as much in a relationship as you are. If you'll take a step towards him, he'll take a step towards you. Unbroken fellowship, unhindered love. The only restriction was what? You helped me with the message. What was the only restriction Adam and Eve had? There was a tree that they couldn't eat of. What was the name of that tree? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree. Why did God do that? To trip them up. Do you know everything about God must be a choice? Your choice, my choice. Now, let's think about that. So we make a choice to accept Christ as Savior. We make a choice to be baptized. We make a choice to follow God. Everything about God must be a personal choice. And God wanted Adam and Eve to choose to serve Him and not to eat of that, the fruit of that tree. And for an undefined time, amount of time, the Bible doesn't tell us how long, it was going just great. God would come down and walk with Adam, and, and they had sweet fellowship together, and, and Adam didn't have to work, and, and, and it didn't happen this way. But ladies, can you imagine this? Those of you who have born children, can you imagine giving birth to a child and no pain? Because if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, Adam would never have to till the ground, and ladies, you wouldn't have to be bound to your husband, and you could give birth to a child and no pain. Wouldn't that be great? I know, men, your wives never did this to you. And we men are a bunch of babies when we get sick, aren't we? When we get sick, you better bring us homemade chicken noodle soup in bed. 
When we get sick, you better get our slippers or our bathrobe for us. Right, guys? Am I on it? But ladies, when you get sick, you better be able to take care of the kids, do the dishes, do the laundry. Am I on your wavelength, ladies? And how many of you men, you've ever heard this from your wife if she had children? You, don't, and you want her to be compassionate towards you when you're not feeling good and you get this little lecture instead. You think you're in pain. You don't know what pain is. Help me, fellas. You want to know what pain is? Try to have a baby. I think it was Bill Cosby that said, the nearest I can explain is like taking your upper lip and stretching it over your head. <laughs> I don't know what it's like. But you wouldn't have any pain, ladies, if everything could be kept in that state. But the serpent came and talked to Eve, and Eve listened, and he beguiled her, and he lied about God, and he lied about God's intentions. And Eve took of that fruit, and she ate of it, and she gave it to Adam, and he ate of it. So now God is pronouncing judgment upon the serpent. Go with me if you would. In an instant, everything changed. They're no longer innocent. They're no longer pure. They have become sinners by choice. They are now fallen beings. They're ashamed of their nakedness. They were naked before. It didn't bother them. But now they're fallen beings. They're sinful creatures. And they're ashamed of their nakedness. And now God comes to once again walk with Adam. Did he know that they'd fallen? Absolutely he knew. But he still searched them out. Can I say this to you this morning? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as Savior, you should not fear God or the Lord Jesus Christ. He searches you out. And even in your sin and even in the trouble that you're facing, God searches you out. Yet right in the middle of this tra tragedy, there's a flicker of hope and it finds itself in verse number 15. There's a promise made here. Now watch, I will put enmity between these, talking to the serpent and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. This verse is called the Proto-Evangelum. You say, preacher, what is Proto-Evangelism? Evangelum. That is Latin for this, the gospel in the Old Testament. Where do we get the gospel in verse number 15? I want to look at that this morning. I want to show you Christ, the promised lamb. The personality of that promised lamb, that lamb is unique in his origin. We are told that this one who is coming will be the seed of a woman. That is impossible. The seed always comes through the male or through the man. This is the first and only time in the Bible it says this woman is, is going to be with child and no, she knows no man. So he is unique in his origin. I'm not trying to lambast any other faith or religion, but I'm trying to preach the whole counsel of God. Can I tell you this? Did Muhammad have a daddy? Did Joseph Smith have a daddy? Huh? Any other religious leader, did he have a daddy and a sinful nature that he got from his daddy? Only Jesus Christ can say of that Lamb of God, he was, he was unique in his origin. Mary became pregnant, but it wasn't by a man. She knew no man. So this seed of a woman, he's unique in his order. Satan didn't understand that. Adam and Eve didn't understand it. But God indicated that he would send his lamb into the world through a woman without the involvement of a man. Why is that important? 
Because how does, now, I'm going to all, all of you ladies, you got great reason, you ladies, to say amen this morning. Where does the sinful nature come into our children? Through the man. Through the man. All right? Now, sometimes our children act like their mother. We understand that. Uh, and, but watch it. The sinful nature comes through the bloodline of man. But now this woman, Mary, we know her name. Mary would give birth to a, to a child, but he had no lineage with man. The Bible clearly teaches that sin and the nature of sin are handed down through the man. Say it with me in your, in your mind if you can. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world. Who is that man? Adam. Wherefore is by one man sin into the world? Now what does it say with the rest part of that verse? And death by sin. So death passed upon all men. Say this with me. For that all have sinned. If you ever talk to somebody that thinks they're going to heaven on their own merit, you might ask them if they've ever sinned. I've had four or five times witnessing to people, and they say, no, I never have. I, now listen, sometimes I remember one of these cases, this man was much bigger than I was. And I said, I had a New Testament, and I literally turned it to him, and I said, would you sign my Bible? And he said, why? I said, you're the only person I've ever met that's never sinned. Well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I, you know, sometimes I do bad, and I, if we're honest with ourselves, we're all sinners. The birth of Jesus, however, was very different since he came into the world without a human father he was born without the taint of sin. Are you following me? No sin, no sinful nature. The lamb is unique in his occupation. Why did he come? Did Jesus come to teach us, as the liberals would say, how to live a good life? We're going to do this on Sunday night. We're going to take the teachings of Christ and apply them to our life. And I promise you'll do this if you'll listen and you and I will apply those teachings to our life. We'll be a better person. We'll be a better husband, a better wife, a better employer, a better employee, a better citizen if we just apply the teachings of Jesus Christ. But that's not why he came. Did he come so that we could protect the environment? Why did he come? It's, he's unique in his occupation. Look what the Bible says, that that seed of the woman would do. It shall, what's that next word? Bruise thy head. This is a fatal injury. When you get a head injury, and that's a fatal injury. But it says, you shall bruise its heel. That's not a fatal injury. Anybody here like, Pastor, you have problems with your feet, and you've got to get off your feet as long as you stand on them. If you stand on them a long time, it's not fatal. But a head injury is fatal. He's unique in his occupation. What was he coming? Jesus Christ was coming to defeat Satan and defeat evil. What we see in our country today, what we see in, in, in the shootings in, in Florida that just happened, what we see over in Iraq and Afghanistan and around the world today, people against people doing the unseemly, that is Satan working in our society today. But Jesus came to defeat evil. He's unique in his occupation. He's unique in the, the personality of the Lamb. But I want to show you this, the purpose of the Lamb. He would come to be a warrior. A warrior. You think about this, the word enmity, look back there if you would. And I will put enmity, that word means hatred or enemy. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. It means this. And I think about this. I believe that God is saying this here 
He made it where natural, normal people would hate snakes. Huh? I don't know about how many of you, how many of you hate snakes? You know what I do? If I see one going down the road, I run over it, and then I try to see what kind I just killed. Huh? I don't like snakes. And somebody who likes snakes, something's a little off. Sorry if that's you. All right? You should not have a pet snake. We live way out in Pueblo West on the north side, and there is a removable, removable top where the manifolds for the watering system is. One night about dusk, one night about 5:30, 5:45, I went and removed that lid to turn some of the water on, and just as I reached down there, I saw something wiggle. That was a rattlesnake, little one, not a big one. But they're just as bad, right? I cracked up when Brother Fine first came part of the ministry here. One time, about four or five of us jumped in the car. We went to a Rockies game. We got late, back late. It was like midnight. And I pulled up to our house on the driveway, and it's dark, and we're all tired. And I remember Brother Stephen jumping out. And, oh, look at that, a little one. I'm thinking, oh, he just doesn't know what he's looking at. That little guy's coiled. He's ready to strike. And I said, Brother Stephen, that's a rouse. Oh! And he ran. I don't like snakes. Right? You shouldn't like snakes. I think God's saying here, I'm going to make it where all men don't like snakes. But he's saying something else. This birth uh, that Mary would give, this child that Mary would give birth to, there's a natural human hatred for serpents, but it's something bigger than that. It means this. It means that Satan hates the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan hates God and wants to destroy himself and his purpose. Isn't that what we see involved in the, in the world today? Let me ask you this. What do you think would happen if tomorrow every Christian was taken out of this world? What do you think would happen to Israel? You think the nations of this world are lined up against Israel to squash her like a bug? Do you see Iran selling a, a prototype of one of our drones to Syria? And Syria remanufactured it? And they sent that drone into Israel last week? Why are they sending a drone into Israel? Iran, Jordan, Egypt. You name Syria, any of those countries that surround Lebanon, that surround Israel, if God let them do this, they, Satan wants to destroy anything of God, anything of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they would squash Israel like a bug if God allowed them to. This is the battle that was raging in, in, in Eden. It had less to do with mankind than it did Satan's desire to wage war on God Almighty. And that battle is fought out in your heart and my heart each and every day. Am I going to live for God or am I going to live for the world? And which way am I going to go? And that Satan wants to destroy. And listen, it doesn't quit when you get saved. It doesn't quit. It didn't quit with Adam and Eve here. We're told that the one who is coming was coming to the world as a warrior. He was coming to do battle. And can I say this? It hasn't happened just yet. But when Jesus said it is finished on Calvary's cross, the clock, the prophetic clock started to tick and Satan's days are numbered. And one day the old serpent is going to be cast into the bottomless pit and chained for all of eternity. 
I say this to you, child of God, if you know Christ as Savior, you're on the winning side. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, you're on the losing side. From the instant that prophecy was given in Genesis 3.15 until the moment Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, Satan did everything in his power to stop the seed of the woman. Did he not? Why did Cain kill Abel? Stop the seed of the woman. Why? You look at this later on. Why did Herod the Great, why did he have all of the boys, male children, to and under killed? To stop the seed of the woman. And you can go down through the history of, from Genesis to Revelation, and you'll see how, how, the, how the devil tried to stop the seed of the woman, Cain killing Abel, the bloodline of the evil marriages, the, the, the uh, stirring up the people to kill God's chosen people, the, the nation of Israel. Then when Jesus was born, Satan tried to destroy him, did he not? As an infant, did he not try to destroy him? Then he tried to lead him to sin on the Mount of Temptation, did he not? Why don't you take this bread? Why don't you fall down and worship me? Why don't you do this? And Satan's trying to destroy him from, from being born, but he couldn't. After he was born, Satan still tried to destroy him. He tried to allow him to be crowned as king before it was his time. So that battle goes on today, but Jesus Christ, the promised lamb of God, was a warrior. I want to show you this, the portrait of the promised lamb. What is it like after God pronounced his judgment on the guilty parties? He does something very remarkable. Go with me in your mind. After he pronounces the judgment on the serpent and judgment on Eve and said, you're going to, your desire is going to be in your husband. You're going to have pain in, in childbirth. And Adam, you're going to work and you're going to toil by the sweat of your brow for the rest of your life. Then he does something. We don't, the Bible doesn't spell out how he did it. It doesn't spell out what animal it was. I honestly believe that it was a lamb. The very God that had made everything in the world. Somehow, then he takes an animal and he kills that animal in the Garden of Eden. For the first time in the history of mankind, in the history of creation, there's blood on the ground. And it was God who, who took the life of an innocent animal and he shed that animal's blood. And then he took the skins of whatever that animal was and he clothed Adam and he clothed Eve. Blood was shed so that man's sins would be covered. Hebrews 9.22 says this, without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins you and I aren't going to say prayers to get into heaven you and I are going to light candles to get into heaven Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross and he died so that you and I might have forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins that sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains we see in this verse a clear portrait of the coming lamb, what he would do for us. Remember that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Remember that he never sinned, had he? Can't sin. He doesn't have the nature of man to sin. So he didn't deserve to die, yet we looked at Calvary's cross. We see the Lamb of God on a cross, and we see his tormentors. What did they do? They spat in his face. They plucked his beard. They mocked him. They nailed him to an old rugged cross. And, they, and even on that cross, they begin to rail against him and mock him. And Jesus, I'm going to say this to you. Why did he go to the cross? For you and for me. 
Isaiah says in chapter number 17, he was bruised for our iniquity, wounded for our transgression, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now understand that everything he went through, every stripe, every time his back was scourged some 40 times with a cat of nine tails, every time he suffered, every disgrace, everything he endured, everything he suffered for you and for me. Realize that Calvary is God's billboard, screaming out his love for a fallen mankind. You say, preacher, I know I haven't lived a good life, and, and I just don't know that if I got saved today, if he would receive me. Calvary is God's billboard to say how much God loves you. Look to there. I want to show you there the portrait of, a, of sufficiency. After Adam and Eve sinned and became aware of their nakedness, they attempted to cover themselves by making aprons of fig leaves. Did it work? Now look, that's, that's a type of false religion. That's a type of work salvation. I'm going to cover myself. I've got church membership. I've been baptized. God, I'm a good person. God said, that covering is not good enough. Why? Adam, those fig leaves don't have blood. There's got to be a shedding of blood for remission of sins. This is a clear picture of inability of man to make for himself presentable in the eyes of God. Say it with me if you know the verses, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest... Any man should boast, if you and I are going to go to heaven, and there is a place called heaven that we should spend all of eternity, I think sometimes, and I, not that I'm old yet, but I'm getting there. I feel like this week we had a, just a giant in the faith called home. Dr. Bobby Robertson went home to be with the Lord. What a true man of God. William, Brother Fine and I went to... Jimmy Johnson's service. You think about this. How many? You think about this. It gets to the place in life where you have more over there than you have here. You kind of understand what Enoch went through. God would come down and walk with Enoch, and, and, uh, and it says it was not. He was not, for God took him. Enoch might have said something like this to God. You know we're a little closer to your home than mine. Why don't I just go home with you? There is a place called heaven. There is a place when we die. There's a place when you draw our last breath that we can know we can go for all of eternity. And because of the work of this Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world, we can know for sure if we die today, we'd go to heaven. The whole point is this. You can try anything you please, whether it's religion, good works, clean living, whatever. Jesus and only Jesus in His shed blood is sufficient to bring us into the presence of God. Go back to the verse. We'll close this morning. And I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This lamb that came, what he did on Calvary's cross, he came as a warrior. He came to defeat sin. Recently, we had somebody in our services, and I was delighted to have him here. And I found out later on, one of their family members told me this, said, Pastor, you need to pray for that person that was in the service today. They are so bound by drugs, the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. If you don't get off these drugs, you're going to die. Is there any hope for that person? Is there? Yes, there is. 
Why? Because Jesus came to destroy sin. And he was victorious. I'm watching when Jesus died on Calvary's cross. When he said it is finished, graves opened up. The world went dark. The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. And that means we can go in direct access to God. And he's victorious over sin, death, and hell. And if you're here this morning, you don't know, I can tell you this. I don't look to a church. I can't help you. I'm a sinner too. I can point you to that Lamb of God. And our church can't help you. You can put your name on the church membership roll, but it won't get you any closer to heaven. But if you listen to and understand who that Lamb was, and you believe it with your heart, and you say, I believe I've never seen Jesus, but I know that He came, and there's something in my heart that tells me that He came, and I'm going to trust. And now watch this. If you believe you're going to heaven, if I ask you, are you going to heaven? You say yes. My next question is, what are you trusting in? I'm a good person. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You got a sinful, tainted bloodline from your daddy, right? Jesus didn't. How good do you have to be to get into heaven on your own merit? Just as good as Jesus. None of us are that good. 